Hi, and welcome to the Climate Cheesecake. I'm Rachel, a sustainability professional who has worked in academia, eco-consultancies, aquaculture, and now most recently, in carbon markets. The Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. So, in one of our last episodes, we talk about the nationally determined contributions, the NDCs, which are national targets um, that uh, are part of the Paris Agreement. But there are other targets out there that we see in the news, which are your corporate targets. Your, oh, I'm going to reduce um, 30% by 2030. Oh, I'm going to be climate neutral all day, every day. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be net zero by 2050. And I know there's a lot of questions about it. I know, Sanka, you do have questions about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Singapore just made one of those like announcements just yes. recently as well, right? What yeah. do we say? So Singapore said that now they will pick early. Uh, they will limit to 60 by... Uh, 60 um, megatons, megatons of, carbon. of carbon yeah, um, by 2030 and then eventually hit net zero by 2050. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, when I heard the announcement, I was actually like, quite, I don't know, like, quite, it's like, huh? you want to peak early? We mm. have eight years left for 2030, you know? I know. I mean, it's like, the you, runway is shorter and, and the targets are very ambitious considering that not everybody exactly know what the the roadmap the transition yeah, would look like because right? the transition not everything is ready everybody's trying everybody's trying hard in every single industry and and we must give credit to that but the 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 road is not like you can see the path all the way you know you can see for the next few but I think that's okay mm. I think that's okay uh, because if not what else will you do right I that's that's how I see it I guess so uh, mm. But I mean, of course, you want to have to, you want to try to meet your goals that you set, right? For sure, yeah. for sure. Not as a point of setting. I mean, there are reports out there and, they, and all these corporates and government level also are working, you know, they have their own think tanks, their own research, their own, um, you know, groups that are designing a roadmap and they won't set this unless it's it's um, achievable by, within some conditions, of course, with, with some um, investments that must go into it. Mm. Um, but I wanted to uh, demystify those terms a bit when it comes to the corporate world. What is climate neutral? What is um, net, net zero? zero? Mm. Yeah, because I think some people think it means the same thing. And sometimes maybe it does, but not all the time. So let's start with the most simple um, climate target, uh, corporate target that you will usually see, which is that they want to um, reduce emissions um, by a certain time. So they have what, a percentage. What, is, what does peak emissions mean? So peak emissions, you, so you, I think so currently right now, some uh, companies, you know, before even before like the whole scene of decarbonization became a big thing, everybody had their own expansion plans, right? And they had their own targets and all that kind of stuff. And on a government level, like we mentioned in Singapore, they also have some stuff they need to do, like for for the for the uh, people that's not like say climate related or whatnot. Um, and all those may cause emissions. And so what most um, what peak emissions means is just reaching that that max limit. And then we will never reach, we won't, we will just be focused, we will be focused and making sure that it doesn't go it's beyond that. It's all downhill from Yeah, there. It's, all da- it's all downhill in a in good way. Yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of companies or corporates will talk about peak emissions no. because um, uh, sensitive and it's usually not, not. Um, I'm not sure whether they're in their plans, lah, but I'm, I'm sure it is, it's just not communicated or or it's more internal. Um, but, but, there are some plans that needs to be done, right? You know what I mean? If you still have to do some development works and all that kind of stuff, peak emissions make sense. And you would see, I think if you read in the the emissions gap report just came out um, 
uh, I think yesterday for this year. But last year's emissions gap report, there is a graph where you can see what countries are peaking and then reducing or what countries are straight away going to a reducing plan. So what's the emissions gap report? So it's a report um, by the UN and mm-hmm. they basically talk about, you know, they, they, it's in reference to, of course, the Paris Agreement, which um, as you already know, the, tar- the target for Paris Agreement is to limit our warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius mm-hmm. and max 2 degrees. And so the emissions gap report really looks at how much of it... Um, of a gap? What, yeah, of a gap there is. Uh, and at our current state... Where are we heading towards? So actually, the emissions gap report from yesterday for this year, 2022, says that we're actually on track to a 2.8 degrees Celsius increase. So Shit, bro. we are, we are, we have a tough, tough... We're overshooting already. We're overshooting, so yeah. And we, we have a to, tough road ahead. Yeah. We need to double down even harder. Correct, yeah. Back to the... Yeah, the, the definitions. The definitions, yeah. right. So the easy one that we talked about, that I wanted to bring out was on like standard. Okay, I want to reduce um a percentage of my emissions by by uh whatever whatever day. And whenever you see this one, this is the easiest to break down because, for example, maybe 30% um, em- reductions in emissions, um, absolute emissions. Let's do absolute emissions, meaning it's just the quantity by whatever year and sometimes they will do scope 1 and scope 2 so let's talk about what scope 1 scope 2 and scope 3 so mm. there are 3 scopes la, um, mainly and this is by the GHG the Greenhouse Gas Protocol um, accounting standard basically so scope 1 talks about your direct emissions from your operations activities. Yeah, your activities your scope 2 talk about indirect emissions mm-hmm. which are like for example energy that you produce and electricity that you produce and scope 3 is all your um um downstream in your value chain and also up, like upstream correct mm. all of that kind of stuff yeah. even your employees and all that kind of stuff so, yeah. so, so different companies will have different profiles some will be a very scope 1 heavy company some will be a very scope 2 um, heavy companies and a lot you will see will be very scope 3 heavy companies yes. yeah so so, so I guess like when we are taking when like say a company takes climate action it would yeah. be about reducing the size of all of these scope, yes, emotion, exactly. scope whatever emissions yeah like. and from the sound of it, I think you can already imagine that scope three is the hardest to track. For sure, because yeah. it's everything else. Exactly. And and it's making sure you work with your clients and your suppliers and they have to know their shit for you to know what your numbers and are. And you have to right? understand the value chain. Exactly. So it's that that's usually the one that takes a long time mm. to quantify, to measure. And that's why a lot of the targets that you will see out there will be for scope one and scope two emissions. Yep. But those are also important because other people's scope one and scope two emissions will contribute to those big scope three um, emission type companies. True. You see what I mean? Because because yeah. all the services scope are flowing. Exactly. Yeah. So so it's it makes sense to start with the scope one and scope two for those com- companies. And just now I mentioned something about absolute emissions. So mm-hmm. absolute emissions is just looking at the total quantity. Some targets out there look at emissions intensity. So that's maybe like per ton of um uh, so like um emissions per ton of product or like per ton of like output. Some kind of some so like if output. I say oh okay if I'm producing one kilogram of I don't know coffee beans. Yeah. So how many how what's kilograms the, the of, footprint, of yeah, carbon what's dioxide f- are being released? Exactly. For it? Yeah. So yeah. there are two. I think there are two ways to look look at what whether whether one measure is better than the other. Okay. Um. Absolute obviously is the one that I think people feel more safe because we have an absolute amount of of um, emissions or a bucket left that we can emit, right? Yeah. Intensity is the one that makes more sense from a business point of view because it means I'm becoming more efficient, right? You're so, reducing exactly. your carbon emissions. But I think the general narrative is moving towards, um, like if, if you can do, you want to do intensity first, by all means, mm-hmm. but you can't run away from absolute because uh, because there are the standards out there that will require to look at absolutes and stuff. And that's where I'm going to bring in the part about climate neutral and net zero. So these two terms are actually not 
like governed terms. Mm. Like people, like anyone can use it wherever they want. Climate neutral us- usually means like, it's just a more of an accounting thing. It just means my plus and my minus away uh, will, will balance each lot. other. Yeah, and then it will just be a zero. And usually it's like a year-on-year accounting thing. So they will say that my emissions from the previous year was um, was uh, balanced. And then and, and then the use of offsets, which we will talk about later, climate, uh, carbon credits and carbon offsets will come in. And there's some, there are some, there are methodologies out there that dictate, say like... Um, like a pathway and that pathway is usually okay you reduce as much as you can mm. um, and then you offset the rest the, you offset the rest for so, that year la. yeah. so can I ask right yes. when I say okay my company is climate neutral or carbon neutral mm. does that mean I'm saying okay specifically for my company's scope 1 emissions for example mm. then uh, I'm saying okay so for scope 1 emissions I'm climate neutral mm. but then I may still have scope 2 and scope 3 emissions yes. that are not accounted you're for you're absolutely right and that's where targets become very complicated because you need to understand the scope of what they're talking about. You need, even even country targets are not that simple to understand because all NDCs are set by um, countries, right? Like, I mean, individual countries. So mm. their scope are, are not the same. And it's as all well. local scope for the most part. Correct. Right? And, yeah. it's, and, and, it's, and it's the same thing for corporates because some of them may look at only scope one and scope two first. Some may only look at parts of, of their operations first because there are some very big companies out there, right? All that kind of stuff. So it's it becomes, that, beca- that becomes a bit of work on your end to sort of understand what it is. And so so sometimes I think um, very easy to call greenwashing, but it's also important to see what exactly they're saying um, in, in those announcements, you know. Are they saying, well, nobody will, I'm very, very, very few, I've never seen any credible, <laughs> very few people will say they are fully neutral because it's not possible. Yeah. Um, but, I say not possible uh, unless you offset everything all that kind of stuff, but it's it's not easy. So usually there's a, there's a scope surrounding what what exactly they are they are working on, and they are also like climate neutral products that you will see coming out. So that's also only for the product. That's not for my whole entire company, yeah. but for that that um products created to grave pathway, I've it's covered offset. it. Yes. Yeah. So at least like you know that for that product it is. So it it, it the the accounting here gets very complicated because then how do you plus and minus and in in, in what's your Venn diagram right? What's yeah. your circle? How how big is your circle? What does your circle cover? But someone else's circle is a bit different, you yeah. know. Let's go back to coffee beans, right? So mm. if I produce coffee beans and I have a certain carbon impact, how do I mitigate against that? How do I offset that? Mm. So um, even after I bring down, say, the existing emissions to as low as I can get it, but there's still yeah. going to be some emission profile. So that's going into the topic of carbon markets, right? As we see right now in carbon credits, the use of carbon credits, and um, I think even if you're not in the field, you will hear news coverage on climate investments through carbon credits and all that mm. kind of stuff. So let's understand what exactly is a carbon credit in the yeah. first place or a carbon offset. Um, a carbon uh, credit is a measurable and and quantified and certified um, piece of certificate. Sorry for the double use of the words, but it's a piece of certificate that says I have an emissions reduction or avoidance or removal from some place, some place around the world. The beauty and I guess the um, craziest thing about carbon is that it's global. And so I can have a project from like, I don't know where in the world, mm. um, but if that carbon, if that project is is reducing carbon or avoiding carbon and removing carbon, and I'll I'll break down those terms in a bit, 
I can use that to offset uh, emissions counting on another place. It, the easiest way to think about this is that say your coffee bean emit like 10, 10 tons of um, carbon units. Let's just put it that way. Okay. And then I, you have there's a forest out there that you trust that is doing the work and all that kind of stuff that is removing and sequestering 10 tons of carbon as well. So what you can do is say, let me claim that, that forest work and then your accounting in your book that coffee bean becomes zero. That's that's kind of how an offset works. But then how do yeah. I how do I like how do I claim the forest? Like the so forest that, doesn't have a manager. Right? Exactly. So that's why it's <laughs> that's why it's very weird, right? When I tell people I work in the carbon markets, they're like, oh, uh market meaning buy and sell. You sell charcoal, is it? Yeah. <laughs> so then what does that look like? Am I selling like an air? What 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 is it? You know, and, and it is weird because it, it is a function it is traded like a commodity, but at the same time it's not a traditional commodity, right? Yeah. Um and and so there are marketplaces, um, like exchanges for you to trade carbon. Um, a lot of the deals that you see uh, right now are still over the counter, meaning bilateral deals or with traders and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it also comes back to just how I mean you think about carbon projects I'll give you one super simple example which is just a forest right um, but remember I mentioned that there's avoidance um, reductions and removal because there are many different types of, of forest projects and I'm only talking about forest projects there's so many other types as well but let's take a, let's take a look at a forest I can have a forest that's at the risk of being deforested mm-hmm. and then with the help of climate finance I can protect it and then so I'm I'm avoiding the emissions that will come out from the forest had it been deforested. That's like that's like holding the forest for ransom, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you don't pay me money, I'm gonna cut this forest down, understand? No, but it's but it is a real reality because if you're not gonna pay me for taking care of this forest, then why the hell will I do it? I think I that's one that's one way to okay, context specific. Context yeah, specific. Yeah. The second one reduction is I think that one's quite um simple. It's maybe like with improved forest management um strategies or whatnot, then you're reducing the overall number. Removals are your reforestation, reforestation, tree planting activities. So I'm I'm doing I'm taking a piece of land that that business as usual actually does not much. Doesn't do much, yeah. But then now I'm gonna plant more. I'm gonna ah. like restore it. Okay, restoration can also be not planting, but but removal projects have to be of sequestration activity. That's like why the it's removed. Agricultural from. activities that Correct. can sequester Correct. CO2, yeah. Exactly. And so why why we talk about this tree and why I think this is a nice space for me to go back to this term called net zero as well. Mm. Net zero it some in some cases is used like climate neutral, but net zero is also a specific standard by the Science Based Target Initiative. And they have a protocol um as to how you can meet their standards. Uh, the Science-Based Target Initiative or, or the SBTI uh, designs their protocol based on the Paris Agreement. So they are they have their own projections on how you know we have to meet um, the 1.5 or 2 degree Correct, yes. thing. And that's also kind of reflected in the GAP report as well. Yes, it is. Yeah. So there's, it's all these projections and all these models they use. And the SBTI net zero standard also specifies specific um, sector-specific pathways that they have to take as well. Mm-hmm. And what's special about the SBTI is that it has a very, very, very strong focus on making sure you reduce your emissions first up to maybe like 90-95%. And at the end, you can only compensate with that specific removal projects that I told you about. Mm-hmm. For science-based, for in, in the net zero standard, the avoidance projects, which you can argue whether it's important or not, it's, it's more view like a CIP kind of thing. Like you do it on your additional like work that you do as part of your whole decarbonization roadmap. But the removal projects are the only ones you can use to claim that net zero um, commitment at the end of the day. Correct. There, there are a lot of views on whether this is the right way or not. Mm. And I think also goes back to why you asked the question about how do I offset, right? Because you're understanding what's the validity of my 
my offset claims because there are all these um, targets out there and as we have seen from um, very positive and very negative uh, accounts of the market carbon credits are taking like center stage I think in a lot of a lot of movements a lot of um, sorry F climate actions right now from from corporates and, and everyone's joining the 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 freaking world, man. Like you yeah. have people who don't care about who has no no business in sustainability also coming into it. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually think it it's great. I, my worry with the commodification of this carbon is that you know, um, how do I then know that you know if I let's say I want to pay money to offset my yeah. my footprint, right? Then. Yeah. How do I know that that work is actually being done? Yeah, and uh, who's, a lot. who's accrediting this market? No, you're exact, absolutely right. And, and, and that too for different different countries, right? For Singapore, yeah. maybe I would be able to trust it more. But if I went to the US, I don't no, know. That right. I you can't yeah. see the forest there. Well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so there's a lot of, um, I guess, like questions about the integrity of these credits. How much, like, is it, how much can I trust it? Mm. There are certification bodies or registries um, that are in the market. So what they do is they have their own standards. They work with developers who have been, been in the market for their own time and they come out with all these methodologies that you have to follow in terms of um, uh, designing your project. And there will be, of course, the process of validating that project design or verifying um, your your um, emissions, like, tracking like how much every year is, is, is moving all that kind of stuff and obviously there are audits and all this kind of that will happen and then all this information will go into a registry where the issued credits will be uh, will be tracked so every issued credit of have their own like can't like a serial number or whatnot, so you know. It's like um, an NFT. <laughs> it's, it's like a carbon NFT. <laughs> that's why there's crypto carbon also, you yeah, know that. Yeah. But then, anyway, so the the but anyways, the point of the registry is to track that movement. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But and there are a lot of I guess um questions about whether these are real or not, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you have seen and, and there are reports out there, but I think the market is figuring itself out. Mm -hmm. But of of course, it's not like. It's it's you know the the carbon markets was it, it's not it's new to some people but it's not that new. Mm. It had a whole Kyoto era that didn't work, and there there's there is a lot of of things to be said about that era. But there are lessons that's being learned. Um, I don't know whether we are fully applying it today, mm -hmm. but with the around with the scrutiny that's covering or that is surrounding around the use of offsets, a lot of corporates I see are making sure that they are doing their due diligence. So your question on how do we trust is this whole due diligence process of going to the registry, checking all that report, checking the design um, proposal that's coming out, all that kind of stuff, and then and then deciding for yourself what are the standards that you want to you want to look at. And I haven't even talked about the principles that people use to evaluate this. There are uh, intermediaries coming out in the market um, doing carbon rating. So they're rating projects and all that. But you know it's it's there's so there's there's a lot and then you just you up to you who you want to trust you know that kind of that kind of thing and and last year there there had been a lot of conversations about having a regulated space for 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 the global carbon market so now the carbon markets that we are talking about is called the voluntary carbon market yep. there's also a compliance carbon market which we should not talk we will not talk about today but there are some industry um, perspectives on changing the name of a voluntary carbon market to a verified carbon market because the, the whole point of it being called a voluntary carbon market in the first place was because it was born out of voluntary action, right? It was action by corporates that are not, they're doing beyond what they're complied to, uh, to do based compelled, on, yeah. compelled, sorry, compelled, no, be, um, as in by, to comply regulations. Yeah. Um, but now this space has become a bit more than just that. You know what I mean? It's, it's not really like, I'm just doing this for fun because there is, of course, pressure from investors from all these corporates to move to all this, but and the, and it's not like a uh, any house space, you know. There are 
these um, checks and balances in place, of course they're not perfect. And they're, mm. of course there they might be some projects that, you know, manage to squeeze their way through and all that kind of stuff. And that's a work in progress. Mm. And of course you always have you always have some corporates that are the not good buyers that are uh, seeking out for cheap projects. Case, yeah. yeah. Every every market you have this. Every every even before tree planting became a certified project, mm. you also have this one, you know? Yeah. And it will exist there for a while un- until you get a filter system out, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess, I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, it's good to know that there are these systems in place and that's actually how a carbon offset works. Yes, uh, yeah. And it's actually paying for something to physically remove that carbon. Yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, personally a little bit wary. Like, yes. uh, you know, like for example, in our conversation about RSPO certified palm oil, Mm-mm-mm. right? How do we know that that palm oil is actually responsibly certified? It's yeah. because it's adhering to a certain set of standards. Yeah. Whether those standards, you know, whether they hold water or not, mm. uh, I think that's like something that we'll find out only when yeah. when it's done, right? Yeah. 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 The the I think the cool thing about the current space being a market is that sometimes you think the market will also figure itself out because the the demand is. <laughs> There's a lot of trust, I guess. Uh, market will figure us out, out in terms of like pricing all that kind of that one I can fully yeah. trust. But in terms of whether we will Achieve land what on we are the yeah out to do. land yeah exactly land on a, a a methodology that really makes sense. That's that's then it requires more effort. Mm. There is a article in Paris Agreement called Article Six that was set up a UN sort of governed um a carbon market, but that oh. that's not um ready yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the current one you see is a very market driven effort and. Before I end off this whole thing, I I want to I want to talk about the introduction of a new perspective, which is that the usual paradigm is I will reduce everything and I'll focus only on reducing at this point in time, um, and then only at the end, then I will use my carbon offsets. But I think it makes more sense to think of carbon offsets also in our short term strategy because no no one is setting one big. Everyone is announcing their big long term strategies, but they obviously have their own short term and mid term. And if they don't have, I think that's that's definitely a, a area of concern. But but just because I cannot abate um, or reduce some of my like hard to abate, um, difficult, I guess like problematic areas in my in my um, supply chain mm-hmm. um, and in production line, it doesn't mean I can't use offsets now. Mm. And I think it if you know if we can solve issues on certif- on certifications on the trust in the projects and all that kind of stuff, it makes sense for it to be a. a a strategy that is used yeah that that is used at the beginning and at the end and from the people I talk to Mm. no one is saying that it should be a dominant strategy yes yes maybe it's it's being marketed that way but I do think that it's more of a short term it's being used dominantly at the short term because there is still um I guess more work to be done or you know companies have their own process and all that kind of stuff as to when they want to invest in diff- like changing their manufacturing um infrastructure and and capex and invest capex into getting like um machines that make use of renewable energy all that kind of stuff mm. that's a lot of work um, but but it's always thinking about carbon credits as a strategy that's complementary at the end of the day to your overall decarbonization plan I don't think we should see it and just say oh I don't trust this crap you know no, because yeah. if you don't do that then how, what else are you going to do exactly you that's, know? that's the only way we have yeah, and yeah. I and I I'm not saying to discount any of the criticism. I'm I think I'm more interested in encouraging a more helpful discussion. Mm. It's not a bad idea. Mm. It really is not a bad idea because your forests are going to get like protected, right? Mm. I used to come from conservation in some sense, those kind of projects. Now I'm happy that there's money um going to it. And so yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea. It mm. just needs to be um worked on and and good luck to us <laughs> in that sense. Tiao world. Tiao world. Yeah. <laughs> 
Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Climate Cheesecake. Go follow us. To find out more about the references mentioned in this podcast, check out Climate Cheesecake on Instagram and additional links and references can be found on our website, outwave.studio slash climatecheesecake. <laughs>